Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Tonight, joining you, it's Ian. And Chris. And from an undisclosed location, it's nobody. The Twitter situation continues to develop in a somewhat entertaining fashion. The most recent uh, development there is you guys may have heard that when Elon Musk took over Twitter, basically after, I don't know if it was the first week or the first few days, he just axed 50% of the staff. So they knocked out a good half of the the staff. Wait, was it that high? Yeah, I believe it was. Uh, and then, oh, that's not the half of it. <laughs> no, it was the half of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then this week, they cut even more out. According to, uh, let's see here, Yahoo News, Elon Musk. Now, now the mainstream well, media. The way, go ahead. It, he didn't actually fire them. Correct. He basically put out a a, a memo that said, "Look, if you're going to stay here, you need to commit to showing up to work." doing your job and being hardcore about it. And uh, apparently the responses from that were enough to at least frighten people who didn't know what was going on outside the company, although Twitter is still operating fine. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, press about this in the last 24 hours or so. The mainstream media has been acting as though Twitter is going to go down, that it's over. They're going to lose all their their staff and they're not going to be able to keep the site online because of the mass not layoffs per se, but essentially people are they're basically terminating their own positions by choosing <laughs> not to uh, uh, not to agree to essentially what Elon Musk is saying here. He uh, basically gave them an ultimatum, said they had 36 hours to uh, decide whether or not to continue with Twitter. They had to check a yes box on a Google form in order to continue working for Twitter. <laughs> and they basically had to agree, as nobody had said there, to uh, what he called a quote-unquote extremely hardcore, unquote, Twitter 2.0, or leave the company, and uh, said they're to expect long hours at high intensity. And it seems as though a large number of employees have rejected Musk's vision. The New York Times reported the number was in the hundreds, while other early reports suggest the number could be much higher. So basically people are saying that he fired 50%, and then he managed to tweak another uh, another quarter of the original <laughs> staff the, the original numbers, so basically another half of what was left, into no longer continuing to, uh, to work on their own voluntary basis. I believe that, again, reports of Twitter's demise have been greatly oh, for exaggerated. Sure. Elon Musk is, is not the fool that the leftists would make him out to be, and I suspect that he had very specific reasons for doing this. Absolutely. He also has a bevy of software engineers and keep in mind that you know most of the big tech companies have a few hundred developers twitter for some reason had three thousand of them (laughs) doing what i can't imagine (laughs) what they were doing drinking wine and eating lunch for free i guess Mm -hmm. i mean i could Um, understand if they were like explains why they were never profitable yeah weren't they costing i think he was saying uh, he said early on when he took over the company that it was bleeding four million dollars a day oh now i know why (laughs) oh i i believe it yeah and i 
I mean, I've looked at the site, and unless there are huge treasure troves of features that I've never found, I have no idea what 3,000 people were doing working on that project. There were not 3,000. There could not have been 3,000 developers working on Twitter. That just no seems way. absolutely they working. insane. That's the thing. They get hired, and then, they, as, as nobody pointed out, they sit around, or they don't even come to work, and they collect a paycheck. I mean, look, I, I mean... I, I would say I could like see that if it was like I don't know they were developing an operating system and maybe other products and things like 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 I could maybe see that but three thousand on Twitter, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just and unbelievable. I'm, okay, right now I'm looking at a state called Statista, um, mm-hmm. and it shows that December 2021 Twitter's total employees were 7,500. Wow. December 2020 it was only 5,500. Uh, a year before that, it was 4,900. So a lot of these people are, are were hired within the last year, huh. 2,000 of them. That's crazy. Uh, now, that's not software developers. That's mm-hmm. total employees. Right, right. Um, well, I'd expect there to be a lot more employees than software developers, but still, <laughs> for Twitter? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Apparently, there was a lot of middle management also. Mm, Yeah, like six uh, middle managers for every one developer, probably. The mainstream media has been trying to make it sound like that this is the end. That last night, it was they were wondering whether Twitter was going to survive the night because they lost so much of their critical operations staff. And I don't know about you, nobody, but I have seen no... Downtime. There have been claims that there's been a lot of outages with uh, with Twitter. Have you seen anything about that? I've seen nothing. I've it's it's worked perfectly for me every time I've pulled it up today. I've also seen no. Uh, I've I've seen lots of people vaguely saying Twitter is falling apart, but I've seen nobody say, "Oh, I lost." twitter for an hour today or Mm -hmm. anything like that there's never anything specific it's just this uh vague nonsense um you know it does beg it does beg the question of how long it would actually take to go down you know after like say firing all the employees right like Mm -hmm. how long could it keep going um well i mean until bit rot sets in i would imagine which what uh, is bit rot uh, bit rot is what they call it when software is unmaintained and slowly stops working. Uh, that's what cell 411 was suffering from. And the, the way that happens is uh, things like the APIs that are used by the app will change mm-hmm. and the app will not be updated to, uh, to work with new APIs. So all of a sudden things will stop working. Right, so the rest um, of the internet is moving onward, and you're just in a status, yeah. Uh, you know what? Stasis. A, a good example mm-hmm. of this might be something like, let's say, the web browsers start discontinuing support for sites that are not using SSL certificates. Right. Well, which if, they have been doing. Right. So, um, you know, if Twitter doesn't have SSL, where it's not on by default or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And your browser all of a sudden doesn't allow you to access sites that don't have SSL certificates. Well, you go to Twitter and it won't work anymore. 
And there were, by the way, there were angry employees outside of their San Francisco location, apparently with like a projector, and they were projecting insults on the Twitter headquarters against <laughs> Elon Musk. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a projector. What it was is the uh, Twitter headquarters. I've seen video of this. They've got a uh, a, a ticker tape, uh, a lighted ticker tape really? outside. That's part of the. Uh, that that is part of the building and somebody on their way out the door apparently changed the text on that ticker tape oh wow Uh, so it was the building itself that was projecting this stuff oh i didn't realize that when i saw the footage it looked like somebody was shooting something from the uh across the street but you know whatever either way it was uh it's pretty ridiculous some of the the behavior that is you know been happening from the now former (laughs) employees with uh, with Twitter, I, I think Elon did make his first mistake today, though. Because, how's that? Well, he announced a new policy saying that basically positive threat, uh, positive tweets would be given more um, more reach mm-hmm. than negative treats tweets, which would be uh, hmm. which would be uh, de-reached. I can't remember. Yeah, I've got the, the actual uh, tweet here. Here's what he said. He, he said, here's what he said. New Twitter policy is freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach. Negative slash hate tweets will be max de-boosted and demonetized. So no ads or other revenue to Twitter. You won't find the tweet unless you specifically seek it out, which is no different from the rest of the Internet. He said, note, this applies just to the individual tweet, not the whole account. But then within mm-hmm. minutes, he had said that he was no longer going to be uh, he was not going to be undoing the ban on Alex Jones. And he further addressed that the Trump decision has yet to be made. So as of right now, Donald Trump's account is still in the suspended status on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, and I think in both cases that may be related to legal issues. Um, you know, the first thing being that, say, Alex Jones went on there and uh, started uh, um, started uh, trash talking the uh, the people who are suing him. Um, Elon could be considered liable for that if he intentionally uh, let them back on, and the same thing if well, he uh, never he never kicked them off in the first place. So that was the prior owner. Something you've been paying attention to, Chris, has been the development of Mastodon over the years. You encouraged us uh, encouraged us years ago to get started with Mastodon, and we did. We put put one of those servers up. I think it was in twenty twenty. I believe. It's been a couple years now because I think we had it in yeah. place before the raid happened. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So uh, I think it was sometime in twenty twenty. So it's been at least two years now that we've had Mastodon going, and uh, it's a great alternative to... I know to Matrix big, was definitely before the raid. Yep. Uh, it's yeah. a great alternative, and Matrix is our chat server. That's a different story. There's no news about Matrix tonight, but we do have news about Mastodon. And uh, you, as I say, you can experience it for yourself at social.freetalklive.com. There are a number of Mastodon servers out there, thousands of them. Some of them are somewhat welcoming others not so much they can kind of cultivate whatever community that they want to cultivate so <laughs> uh so take take a look around and see what you like but definitely try ours out if you like this show and you think you would in, enjoy it so what do we need to know uh here with with mastodon because they are european based there's the, the main programmers as i understand it are based in germany and and france that is an interesting question um at least that's what i've heard yeah uh i actually know the guy who who uh 
uh, one of the guys involved in the protocol, hmm. um, even long before it was Mastodon. Even. Now, the, well, the protocol is um, something that Mastodon uses, right? What's well, it called? Right. Um, <laughs> now you're getting into the details. Activity Pub? Um, is it Activity yeah, Pub? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but, go, oh, sorry. Uh, nobody. You said what? No, that is it. Activity Pub. Right. So that is that program by the mastodon people or are the mastodon guys just I, using yeah they're they're their... they're connected um okay. i do believe um the the let's see i'm trying to think here so because there's other softwares that also use this protocol it, not just mastodon. yeah i'm trying to think was it pump i think it was pump.io um at one point and anyway um yeah but basically uh it it's it, it's a standard it's it became a web st- or it's an industry 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 might not be the right word, but it's a standard. It's an internet standard, actually. Mm-hmm. It's um, a protocol that's used by multiple open source systems it's, of right. usually it's social not, related kind of systems. It's not specifically Mastodon. Mm-hmm. Um Mastodon is a piece of software. Right. There's actually competitors to Mastodon, um, which also use the same protocol, but there's also other programs that aren't they're not a Twitter equivalent that also use that same protocol. Right. So, for um, example, there's a YouTube clone. Exactly. Uh, PeerTube that uses it. Is it? Um, PeerTube, I think. Yes, that's mm. at least one of them. You know, even mm-hmm. Library, or rather Odyssey, which is the platform that uses the library system or the library protocol behind it, even they had to go to centralized uh, servers because they couldn't do it with. Mm. They couldn't handle the demand. That they were having for the videos that they were serving, even the ones that weren't live, they couldn't handle the demand for it without going to some sort of centralized architecture. So, I mean, to some extent, there's still a place for that, right? Like, there's there's a balance out there in 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 tech. Like, we we value decentralization here, but you know, even Mastodon is still a centralized server, right? Like, it, that's not the true decentralized. Yeah, it's 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 what you call uh, federated. Yeah. Um, it's sort of one step away from maybe like there are true many decent, centers, fully decentralized, Poly-cent- polycentric, perhaps we could call that. You know, because yeah. there's different. Yeah, servers it's, out it's, there. it's 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 closer to email. What we have with email, mm-hmm. where there's not a single provider. Right. There's lots of providers in the interact yeah, but you most... don't like one you can pick another one or start your own which is right a right. different story than just twitter or Facebook. right a, a truly decentralized app would be something uh, in uh, something closer to that would i'm trying to think if there's any good examples of we it. had one that we experimented with a few years ago i had michael hampton put up a server it was called pub something a miniverse miniverse pub i think was what it was uh, was called. Is that and truly decentralized? I don't yes, know if it is. Was yes, it, it was um, because you could do it without even using internet. You could have uh, people with their 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 wireless device okay. could co- uh, connect with one another via Bluetooth or or Wi-Fi in a local area, just yeah, wherever then, they could. And it would could like relay to, it and so forth. And it would relay anytime they encountered other, other devices. Users. Really yeah. interesting. And again, not quite ready for prime time. A pretty buggy. But the one we were testing was like an alpha release, so it was a pretty early thing. I'd be interested in seeing if it's come along uh, in the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something that would be more decentralized. And I, you know, I think probably a, a good example of something that would be relatively decentralized although there's a bootstrapping server involved still might be napster um back in the day um because napster but they're they don't even exist anymore in the old no but it is a it's an application that everybody knows right so that's why it's a good example of something that was decentralized Mm -hmm. It, it wasn't you still had to connect to a centralized server to uh find other peers a lot of people on the left found themselves looking for a new home when elon musk took over twitter Of course, to be fair, many of them said they were going to leave, but they haven't actually left. But some have, and they've been looking for somewhere else to go. And Mastodon is sort of the the go-to alternative as far as there being many options. It's software that is continually being developed. 
It's and it's really and, and the difference, you know, it's interesting about Ma- uh, Mastodon by comparison to like I don't know, like like this, uh, what was it, Scutt- Scuttlebutt and some of these others, I guess, mm-hmm. um, or Miniverse, I guess, is that it's it actually has it goes back, uh, I think at least a decade or so, and so Mastodon's it's actually, development, Mastodon, you mean? um, mm-hmm. and, or and the protocols behind it, yeah, um, it, it it existed under a prior name, effectively, you know, mm-hmm. for, for a long time, and and that was probably more heavily development stage, but nonetheless, it was used, not a lot of users, but it was used. And over the years, um, especially over the last four or five years, Mastodon has really taken off, um, especially in like libertarian circles. And it, basically what I'm trying to say is it's it's expanded beyond uh, technical, um, you know, the technicals people. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, early on, it was mostly and it wasn't even just technical people early on. It was like software, free software people. And then it kind of grew and it, it, and others started using it. And then um, and then uh, the right wing, uh, you know, the right gab gab took right? it on um, yeah, and caused you know, a big stir. Right. And now now the left is, is jumping on board. Mm-hmm. So and a truth social Trump's site is running master. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's really come. It's really come. And it's at a point where it's it's actually a fully developed solution. Uh, that isn't you know difficult to use or you know apparently it's difficult to admin from what I uh, from what I'm told by our tech okay guy. yeah I'll, I'll give you that that's that's why <laughs> for the user yeah. it's pretty much like Twitter I mean it, they basically have aped what Twitter does and some of the admin stuff is more isn't I think some of it is. is there's some clunky things. Mastodon, but some of it's I don't think so much Mastodon as the servers and other related components that it's 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 built on or I'll tell resources. you there's some things that I I um from an administrative perspective are the users won't know this, but there's some clunky stuff behind the scenes. Okay. Um uh, dealing with spam is a real problem. So that's why we've turned on the requirement for somebody to actually do a sign up uh box and explain why they've joined the server. So we literally are having to manually approve everybody that joins the server because if we don't there's no way to stop spam yeah there's just there's nothing at all there's no system for that um so that's one problem from the from the back end the other one is there's the mastodon people are the programmers and it's open source so someone could theoretically fix this right but the people who are currently programming it they make it so there's like this feature that uh you know certain story might be trending Right, meaning that somebody on your multiple people on your server or on other servers are posting about the same story, right? Whatever that might be. So something in the news, multiple people have posted the same link, and then the back end of Mastodon will alert the admins, hey, there's this trending story, but they make it so you have to approve every one of them. Sometimes certain features get added, and I don't necessarily know that this is the situation in this particular case with Mastodon, but some of these features are actually getting added. Like, for example, the pop-up, right? Every website you got to click on, I accept for cookies cookies and things, right? That was a European thing, right? Mm -hmm. It was a European law that they passed. And as but a result, obeying it. every platform, every software developer added some functionality to the default. Yeah. And so that's why you run into that. Even if you're not on a European website and you're on a U.S. website, almost we don't do it on our site, by the way. I know you don't. <laughs> we don't either um, on my company's site either. But, you know, um, it, this, it's one of these things that ends up in there because of compliance you know, government. Just, they you know? just want to comply to the maximum. Corporations always want to comply to the maximum for the most yeah. part. That way they don't have to think and, about it. In some, in some respects, I've it's got not- a question yes, on that, Chris. Yeah. Um, why do you think that sites haven't 
said, don't look at the IP address of the incoming connection and say, oh, this person isn't from Europe. We don't need to show them the cookie box. That's a good question. And I don't have an answer to that. My, I mean, if I had to speculate, I'm guessing it's because somebody just, I don't know, like nobody, I don't know if it's, it's probably not built into this software, um, like the default tools that people are using. So, and if it's not, it means it's work for somebody to actually go in and like add that functionality. And you know, mm-hmm. you're only you're only re- you're you're simply trying to comply with the law in they those took cases. The easy right? way out. They so, just apply it to everybody. Right, right. Um, I, I I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. Probably, uh, you know, it's like, am I going to just let it happen on every user, or am I going to you know, go and spend, you know, who knows how many hours trying to add in some mm-hmm. sort of code or, you know, find a plug in, you know, to make it so that it only shows up for you know Europe. And there's other potential reasons, um, too. Like, for example, you know, just because Europe has this law, it doesn't mean that, you know, there aren't maybe other countries that have this law. And if you want to make sure you're compliant, you just let it happen to the max. Right. Exactly. So what is the Digital Services Act and how could it possibly be affecting uh, the furtherance of Mastodon? Yeah. So the Digital Services Act is a European, um, you know, act that they're they're probably is going to pass here and most of the tyrannical internet stuff seems to happen in europe first yeah (laughs) although australia had some bad stuff back in the day but anyway go ahead yeah so um it's basically a response to you know big tech um is is the idea but um so let me read some also the the government of the eu is positioning itself as trying to quote unquote fight big tech yeah, it's, uh-huh. I think along those lines, um, <laughs> they're trying to fight big tech by incorporating like censorship. Chris, tell us about the Digital Services Act. Yeah, so a substantial number of uh, a substantial number are migrating to the Fediverse and specifically to Mastodon, a similar microblogging platform that is to Twitter uh, that has been called Twitter with the underlying architecture of email. Mastodon's decentralization raises substantial questions about how existing regulatory regime, regimes, such as the, as Europe's Digital Services Act, will apply. So, what is Europe's Digital Services Indeed. Act? <laughs> so, the move to Mastodon, the Fediverse, a porta port, portmanteau mm-hmm. of federation and universe is a network of interconnected servers that communicate with each other based on decentralized networking protocols sometimes they do sometimes they break up with one another and they say i don't want to hear from you anymore and that's one of the freedoms of the metaverse that's still yeah i I think this is pretty accurate decentralized Mm -hmm. networking protocol it's a decentralized networking protocol but users are generally not going to run their own uh server correct but if you wanted to, you could. You, you could, could even right. build the server part into a client if you wanted to. Yes, and or, that's why there are multiple clients uh, out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And and then I guess that's that's an interesting question. I mean, is it is it if if ever and that's the thing. It's like if everybody did run their own server, then it would be decentralized. Um, not just. But no one is going to. Uh, and, and yeah, everyone I is mean, never going to run their own server. No, because, they wouldn't because of the way it's designed. Number one, it's complex, and number right. two, the average user does not know how to administer a server. Yeah. See, a, an, an mm. optimal decentralized networking protocol, I think wouldn't be so complicated that it you know you'd be you would need an administrator right mm. um but these servers can be used for web publishing and file hosting and allow users to communicate with each other uh 
despite being on independent servers. From- now, let me just say, it's one of the downsides of Mastodon. There was an article written by, again, like I said, there's been recently a lot of interest in Mastodon in the mainstream. And so we've seen a lot of stories promoting it. But there was one story written by a guy that was a little disappointed uh, with his experience. And, you know, it can be kind of clunky, for instance, if you're trying to connect with somebody who's not on the same server. It can be done, but you kind of have to know where you're going. Like, I don't think you can easily just search for somebody. Like, if I just go on to any old Mastodon server and I search for Mr. Penguin, which is your username, uh, Chris, it's probably not going to find you. You would need to know the where your username is. is right. And it would be, in my case, it's at... Mr. Well, you know what? Honestly, I'm not 100 sure off the top of my head, but I think it's at Mr. Underscore Penguin at uh, social dot bob called. Yeah, you have me. to know the whole so, thing, <laughs> and so it's not as easy to sort of discover new things that are off of your server. And that's just one of the that's just one of the downsides of decentralization, at least at this point in the game. Is you know, especially if the servers are disfederated from one another, then there's a, a broken link between them, mm. and you're never going to find uh, people on that other server. Twitter's huge. Yeah, so well, the number of users. the number of right. users out there is going to be, you know, greater than and you, you may not be able to find everybody you want to Right. And you certainly cannot you know, follow somebody on Mastodon through Twitter and you can't follow somebody on Facebook through Twitter whereas you can follow other people on other Mastodon servers right. from a Mastodon server. So again, ups and downs. What else do we need to know? Yeah, so um, content moderation on Mastodon. Ultimately, though, the future of Mastodon will hang on the way its individual instances. Now, the funny thing is the story is basically saying that if Mastodon doesn't moderate content, because that's what the your, the Digital Services Act effectively is about, um, it will get shut down or something to that effect. Mm, okay. <laughs> its individual instances and site as a collective whole deals with content moderation and free speech. Mastodon's appeal lies in its decentralization. When Eugene, somebody, uh, founded the network in 2016, it came from a feeling of distrust of the top-down control that Twitter exercised, which is kind of interesting um, because it wasn't for the freedom. It was because of who was in control, it sounds like. Countering this distrust while also proudly claiming that it is not for sale, the Mastodon network has no single owner or administrator that can set the rules. Instead, the administrator of each local instance sets the rules mm-hmm. for their server, which users have to abide by. If a user disagrees with these rules, they can easily switch to an instance that aligns with their viewpoint. As Mastodon continues to gain popularity, in a question that remains is how existing legislative efforts may affect the entire website and or its instances. That's such a weird way to phrase that. Um, its entire website. Um, it's, it, 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 I mean, it, there is, there's not a single website. That's the very weird thing about this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a website you can go to to download the software and set up a server. This is a failing of whoever's writing this yeah. article not understanding the technology they're even talking. Which is about. really weird because it's a it's a tech plot it's a tech policy uh, site <laughs> to cover this kind of thing. You think they? This. Yeah, I think they'd understand. It. And it seems like they kind of mostly understand it. So maybe it's just poorly worded. But yeah, anyway, could be. notably, the Digital Services Act in Europe was created to address content moderation issues that manifest themselves in much larger and more centralized platforms like Facebook. What will the DSA's effect be on Mastodon? Currently, there are more than 3,000 instances on the network. 
all with their own users, guidelines, and administrators. In this context, the DSA does not provide clarity on questions. Oh, oh of course it doesn't, because they, this is the thing. Like these these government bureaucrats, they create these or politicians, they create these laws, and they assume everybody can like like everybody's a huge player in the market. When in reality, there are often small players in the market that can't possibly comply, let alone read the laws. Mm-hmm. They don't have teams of lawyers. lawyers. And by the very existence of the law, you effectively criminalize the small operator. Mm-hmm. The DSA does not provide clarity on questions of a decentralized social media. However, however, based on the categorizations of the DSA, it's most probable that each instance could be seen as an independent online platform on okay. which a user hosts and publishes content that can reach potentially unlimited number of users. Well, yeah. And, right. and here's the thing, though. Um, it's like some of it, it's based on, I think, the number of users, I believe. So it, Meaning the DSA's application? I, I think so. I think it's going to get into it here, though, mm-hmm. so we're going to find out. But yeah, but but that could be a problem then, because if it's based on the number of users, it depends on how the some bureaucrat ends up deciding how many users you've got. Thus, well, it does say on most Mastodon instances, when you are going to like read about the server or sign up, it sure. will tell you. This server sure. has a thousand sure. users but or whatever. Are they counting it as the network of of Mastodon instances, or is it just your server? And the I bet you that the, the this particular act probably isn't clear about that. Mm. This is why you need lawyers, a team of lawyers, to look at these acts to figure out whether or not you're even in compliance. And if you ask five different lawyers, you're going to get five different answers. So it, it gets even more complicated. And, and Ian, you're you're a perfect person and know that perfectly well. I think even in the Crypto Six case, where you've got different, you know, different, different size, different lawyers saying different things. Mm-hmm. All right, having a notice and action mechanism and communicating information about removals or restrictions to both uh, notice and content providers. I have no idea what that means. Restrictions mm-hmm. to both notice and content providers. Is the content provider the person making a post? I have no Could idea. Be. That's um, sounds like it. it. It just seems. Yeah. I mean, it just seems so weird today. Given the nonprofit model and limited volunteer administration of most existing instances, all Mastodon servers would seem to be exempt from obligations for large online platforms. None, nonetheless, now you have to, you have to remember here that's today, mm-hmm. but Mastodon is growing. It's, it's still in its infancy. Did you or someone you love work, live, or serve at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988? If you or someone you know lived, served, or worked at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988 and has cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, they are entitled to compensation. To see if they are eligible, they need to call Liberty Legal. Contaminants in the drinking water have led to these serious diseases and legislation is now available for for veterans and family members who may qualify for financial help from the government. There may be a time deadline, so don't wait. Call 888-918-1037. Anyone that has lived, worked, or served at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1988 and has had cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, the money is already set aside. 888-918-1037. 888-918-1037. I do have Chuck on the line here in Washington. Open phones. You can bring up anything. Chuck, what's on your mind? Well, the the, the reason why I called, you know, is because I heard the guy that sounds like he's on a telephone right now bring up the uh, issue of campaign financing and how his he, he started bitching about that. And I'm thinking, 
you know, I back, don't know if we're you listening. Know, if you're listening to the same show, but you're welcome to comment on campaign finance if you like. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I'm definitely listening to the same show because I'm listening on 1340 AM KTOX in Needles, California. Okay. So this guy's talking about right now. He's on the air. He is talking about campaign finance reform and his problems with the Democrats, you know, and this and that and stuff like that. You know, we had the chance to uh, address campaign finance reform in 2006 with you Citizens United. I believe it was somewhere around there. I could be wrong, but it sounds like that we've been down this road before. And I keep hearing people, you know, with their uh, grievances against campaign financing and, oh, we got to do something. But where were you? Where were you back in the day when this actually was an issue? Now we well, I was here, Biden. and now, and now we gotta go after let me Hunter give you Biden. a response, if 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 I may. Uh, the first thing is Citizens United. Um, how much do you know about that case? Do you know what the cause I, uh, of action you know was? You, yeah, do you know what I know about Citizens United? I'll tell you what. In the Congress in this year, we're going to go after Hunter Biden. That's how much I know about Citizens United, idiot. Okay, well, let me tell you what Citizens United was about, idiot. Um, What it was about was uh, a company made a movie that was critical of Hillary Clinton. And they brought action against this company saying, you can't make this movie because it is effectively a campaign donation to Hillary Clinton's opponent. (laughs) So basically, if Citizens United had not been decided the way it was decided, every movie studio would be forced to stop making movies about uh, about uh, political figures which were not fawning uh, endorsements of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that that is what Citizens United was about, and we're very lucky that it was decided the way it was, because otherwise there would be no movies uh, talking about uh, political figures. Uh, the second thing is my issue that I was talking about earlier was not about campaign finance so much as it was about money being stolen from the people, sent to the Ukraine, routed back to FTX, and then donated to the Democratic Party. That's not about campaign finance. That's about theft and money laundering. There's a lot of small uh, nonprofits and organizations um, that, you know, that that might be quite a few for typical nonprofit. But if you had a Mastodon instance, right, that you set up as a hobby, right, for example, Mm. and you're like, okay, well, I want to keep running it, you know, you're and, and Mastodon grows, it's going to end up being the case that you're going to in the future need to hire employees nonprofits hire employees by the way right and you're going to need to hire those employees or you're going to need to spend money on it and well and bring how long is it going to be before facebook lobbies the eu government to say hey this isn't fair it's applying to us it's applying to twitter but it needs to apply to these smaller mastodon servers because people are saying offensive things there well, i mean whatever. i don't know these this is already applying to what i would call consider a small mastodon. i mean we don't have large mastodon servers yet 
or even we don't even have. I mean, we have really, really tiny Mastodon servers in the scheme of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are some big ones, but I don't know if they have any revenue. Not enough to comply. Not enough to have yeah. it be impacted by this act, right? Mm-hmm. But my point that I'm trying to make is that look, we have we have a Mastodon server, right? We do, yes. Social.freetalklive.com. I don't know how many users it's got, but just imagine if there were actually some substantial number of users. You're going to need more than one system administrator to administer, administer mm-hmm. it, right? It's, it would actually require something. And we're up to 522. Right. Okay. So we've got one guy. But it's probably not. on With 500. Probably right. not even 500, half of those are active, you know? Right. Like, 500 is, it's, it's so absolutely tiny in, this, in the scheme of things yeah. when you're talking about billions of people around the world. And right. I'm trying to think what the population of Europe is, but I believe it's something, I think it might be something like a billion people. Um, but the point is, that's a lot of people, right? So if they all migrate from Twitter to Mastodon, or even a, you know, a decent, if, they be, if Mastodon ends up having a, a percentage of the market, all of these so-called absolutely tiny instances are going to become small instances, and they're going to exceed these numbers here, is what I'm trying to get at, yeah, right? Yeah, something to be concerned with. We got Galena to start things out here, calling from Ukraine. Galena, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hi, how are you? Hey, what's on your uh, your mind tonight? So the power system is in Ukraine is very unstable right now. Hmm. Like for the last couple of days, we have these schedules for power outages. Like for example, today we had to have four hours of electricity, then four four hours off, then in, for the whole day, and. Uh, at four o'clock, they turned it off on the schedule, and they didn't turn it back on on the eighth. And I went back to the internet to check if I saw it correct, and uh, they replaced that information with a new, with the renewed schedule, which says that uh, from four o'clock we don't have electricity and until further notice. So wow. and I said, great, because <laughs> uh, I actually work online and I depend on the electricity. Like mm-hmm. I have my laptop, it could last me for like four hours. I can share Wi-Fi from my mobile data, mm-hmm. but you know, still, uh, after four hours, you know, I just lose time. I can't work. Right. Yeah, yeah that's crippling. Uh, and it's cold there too, right? I mean, it's in the. I mean, you guys probably go by Celsius there, but in the Fahrenheit, it's it's below freezing right now. Uh, yeah, it's twenty eight uh, degrees. Oh, it's, it's over for uh, like. Uh, it's like uh, one Celsius, and uh, yeah, it's cold. I don't know. Are you, Sorry. Are you guys able to get generators or um, I don't know, like uh, solar panels or anything like that to keep working? Um, actually, generators. You know, they are, I guess, expensive. Uh, some restaurants they get generators. Well, she's in an shop. apartment complex, right? You, you don't. You're not in a home. Yeah. You're in an apartment. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in an apartment. You yeah, can't just, and, you know, uh, you can't just hook up a generator it. outside an apartment very easily, right? Like that's not easy. I, at all. I think they have building generators for like whole buildings. They could have whole um, building size generators, but I don't yeah. know if they're like, I don't know if that's something they're deploying in Ukraine or if they're even available or if it's just going to be too expensive because there's It'll a war be too going expensive, on, right? Because I mean, then you've got people in the building using. I mean, the problem though is the economic damage that's going to cause if you don't do that. Oh, so yeah. it, it would th- it would seem to me that it would make financial sense to throw money at the generator so that your economy can continue going otherwise you're going to go bankrupt maybe but i mean as far as if you're in a part private apartment building and you're the landlord you're going to deal it's with true. you're going to deal with somebody's going to use a lot of power and other
other people may not be using as much. And then, you know, the, the apartments that are, are there, really cranking on the power, how do you really determine that when yeah, you're dealing with I mean, a generator? You know, you might be able to do like a room or an apartment where people could go for power during, mm. you know, so that it wasn't a charging station or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. yeah. That do, do they, do they have something like that there where, where you are in your apartment? Not in my town because it's a little town, but in big cities which are more destroyed than this one, mm-hmm. they do have this. I, I don't know how they work, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, I've heard that on the news, so they do build it. What do you think about the vote that happened in Donetsk and uh, Luhansk and the other southern, uh, southeastern areas in Ukraine? where they voted ostensibly to join Russia. Obviously, there there weren't a lot of countries in the world that recognized that vote. But do you think that if that vote were to be done under the uh, you know the the oversight of the UN, do you think those people still would have jo- voted to join Russia? Do you think that was legitimate? No, I don't think it was legitimate. I I think that uh, you know there was there were, these were the people uh, who Russia set there to propagandize and. Uh, you also should know that lots of people in Ukraine are poor and stupid and they have like lots of credit. So I think maybe some people in Russia, you know, they pay to vote for that or they like, you know, like there's no country, no credit. You don't have to pay. Just go vote. You're going to be with us, with Russia. Maybe they do that. Like, I don't know. But uh, I don't believe it was legit. I don't believe that uh, even more than 50 percent of people could vote for Russian. Mm. It was definitely less than 50, maybe even like, I don't know, 30. But some people really do want to be with Russia. You should, you should know that. But like closer to Russia. Are there a lot of uh, ethnic Russians still living in Ukraine from the days of the uh, USSR? Um, yes, I think, um, I think. And the closer to Russia, the more the percentage is. And uh, many people are old and they remember USSR and, mm-hmm. the, you know, that these were the days of their youth. And that's why they, you know, they maybe want to believe that someday, again, it's going to be like so great country. Like, you know, that's what they had. It was a lot of propaganda in USSR. Yeah, I, I'm curious Are you, if... if uh... Let's say let's say there were was a fair election right in those regions that um, Russia has taken control of. Do you think the people would have voted uh, to join Russia or uh, she said no? I already asked that. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Galena, anything else you want to share tonight? So uh, about this city of Kherson Mm -hmm. that Ukrainian warriors are entering right now, they entered. uh, There was this voting. People voted in Mm -hmm. this region. But now Ukraine is taking it back, and people living there, uh, they are actually happy that Ukrainians can, came back. Uh, maybe, maybe that's only what they show on the media, but there are, there are these people there. Well, isn't it, isn't it criminal to speak out against, um, or, or I guess, uh, in favor of Russia? I believe people were being arrested, if I'm not mistaken. The Ukrainian government before the vote happened, told the people of those areas that if they voted, if they participated in that election, they would be uh, they would be imprisoned. Mm, I've never heard of that. Well, they probably didn't report it uh, <laughs> on local, local media, but supposedly that's what's happening. But again, we don't know what's true. As yeah. you said, you, you never really know what yeah. to believe. Gene is on the line in Kentucky. Gene, what was on your mind tonight? Yes, uh, like I said, I miss Mark, and you commented on that. My favorite uh, callers um, are um, 
Sarah, of course, and then uh, David from New Mexico. David, you need to call him more. I'm sorry, Sharon, you, I heard, I, well, you I can heard only call like, so often. I mean, there's a one oh, I, call I per night that. rule. I heard him lately. I heard him on the national syndicated radio. It was either uh, Ground Zero or... Uh, Ah, okay. What it was, but I yeah, some of these callers make the rounds. Yeah, I wonder if Sarah has been calling other shows recently. In fact, she's on the line. Do you want to talk to Sarah? I've got her on the line. No, no. Oh, she's she's not really your favorite then. Little calls. No, yes, she is, but I just don't. I want to. Okay. You don't want to meet your heroes, is what you're saying. She's not my hero. I just enjoy listening to them. I smile, and that's why I do all days listen. Of course, in and out the house. Doing okay. things, but I'm saying that's my. I'm not a TV watcher. I, I was, oh, good. If I ever, I can't stand TV. Excellent. So I'm a, nothing but a um, talk radio listener. Well, but you've anyway, got good uh, taste. Thank you for listening uh, to Free Talk Live, Gene. Was there any yeah, uh, issue that you wanted to talk since, about tonight, or like just 29 or 2010? I've been listening to y'all quite a while. Wow, but that's anyway, awesome. Thank now, you. Now, um, the uh, the gentleman that does the victimless crimes free. Yeah, how come he's never a co-host. Oh, unfortunately, the federal government, as you probably know, since you've been listening for a while, raided our studio last year in uh, March of 2021. And at that time, Derek J. and his partner, uh, Stephen, the guys from AnyPay, they decided to to go visit and touring around uh, different parts of the world. I've heard they are currently in Europe. Uh, in the uh, the Pyrenees, I believe, uh, Andorra was the last I heard, but I don't know for sure. I have not, unfortunately, had the, the pleasure of speaking with Derek in some time due to the yeah, various different Yeah, I haven't heard him for a long, long, long time, long before that. Yeah, we've had a lot of—well, no, it wasn't that long before that. I mean, they, they would come on as guest hosts from, oh, from really? time to time uh, yeah. prior to the last two years. But due to the federal prosecution and my bail conditions, I've been— uh, been unable to communicate effectively with those guys, and it really it it, it hurts me because I really love those guys and sure. and I miss and, them a lot. Another thing I enjoy listening to uh, Nikki and Bonnie and all the other girls is on there. Major Payne, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, yeah, the den of idiots. I think I'm talking to Sheep Talk Jive, right? Okay, funny. Oh, come on now. That was... <laughs> what else you got? Well, we got all kinds of idiocy out here. I mean, uh, I called in and on what nobody brought in. This guy went all off postal on you about uh, the uh, FX oh, bank boy there, mm-hmm. bank man, bank man. being the uh, number two contributor to the Democratic Party and all this pollution that went on during the elections here. Yeah, number two and after uh, George Soros. Yeah, now now I come to find out that it's getting recycled through Ukraine and back to the Democratic Party through Bankman. I mean, jumping. Jiminy, how deep is the swamp got to be? Good question. Yeah, it's uh it's really when when you get into it, it is it it runs deep and I've only seen you know, I'm sure that we've only seen the tip of the iceberg, but these people were funding COVID studies. Um, They were doing all kinds of political maneuvering. I want to know what people thought they were getting when they voted for government in the first place. It's it's always what government's about. It's about redistribution of the funds. It's it's about redistribution of your money. (laughs) Well, most people, I think, expect to be net gainers (laughs) from that. 
which, if you do the math, doesn't make sense because most people can't possibly be net gainers. Well, well, no, the government's the most ineffective way to redistribute money. Um, they take thirty yeah. percent at a minimum, if not Probably way more, more than sixty percent. Uh, well, that's just to manage it, and then when they spend it, you know, you lose another eighty percent, right? Mm. So, yeah, this is like the logic of a gambler. You're walking into this grand casino and you think it was built on losers? Nope. Well, yeah. Wake up. Oh, man. Oh, I got one thing to tell you. This is going to drive Jerome Bug nutty. Trump having announced his candidacy and you telling him that he's got to call in on varying subjects. Oh, man, he's chewing glass right now. Telling him what? You you told him that he had to call on varying subjects. He couldn't keep beating the same horse. Oh, Jerome? I well, I didn't yeah, tell Jerome that. Trump but is, and now, now Trump has announced his candidacy. You know this? He he's he's beside himself. He wants no, to no, no, no. I mean, that's a general rule for for Free Talk Live, but. Uh, but Jerome is, is, he's not the same problem that Sarah is like Sarah is, she'll call out the exact same thing multiple nights in a row. And that's so that, that rule is definitely applicable in general, but I don't think Jerome would, you know, just him complaining about Trump doing one thing and then Trump doing something else usually brings up more than one issue. So personally, I don't have any issues with Jerome at this time, although that said, I wasn't on this past weekend, so I don't know what. Uh, what he was going on about. But if you do want Jerome to hear your calls, you probably should call on the weekend. I don't think he listens uh, on uh, on weeknights. We got a story from uh, CryptoBriefing.com, EU moving to ban privacy coins report. So um, this is uh, this is uh, interesting because it's, it's based on a leaked document, apparently. So the European Union is said to be mulling a ban on privacy coins, including Monero, Zcash, and Dash. Dash is the weird <laughs> one in there. Um, I don't usually think of Dash as a privacy coin, but I guess there's some mixing going on in there, I think. so. There is a, an option with Dash to use a mixing service when okay. you send it. I don't think that's a particular, like you say, that is not really known for any serious level of privacy, but it is yeah. sort, of, it's sort of one of the first cracks at a privacy coin right. from way back when. Like, this was pre-Monero times, right? Yeah. Uh, this was, you know, for 2013 or whenever it was, Dash was a privacy coin. Nowadays, not so much. Yeah, this kind of this kind of makes... You know what Dash always reminded me of? The way it was, was always described as a mixing type of thing, and I always think, okay, money laundering, right? When I think Monero, <laughs> I don't think money laundering. I just think it's it's good privacy. Yeah, built right, in. right, right, yeah. built in from the scratch from yeah. the beginning, as opposed to something you know that okay, well, we're trying to hide you know stuff, but it's not really. You can still trace it and eventually get to its yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, so EU legislators are working on an anti money laundering policy proposal for prohibiting banks and crypto providers from interacting with privacy coins oh, all right so maybe they're not going to ban them outright no, but it's going to make I mean, it very difficult for people to spend them with mm, merchants because merchants are going to be relying on some so, well they can presumably oh. well i'm assuming they can uh but the, they would have the to provider. run their own infrastructure yeah as okay. opposed to being able to use a third-party service provider right oh man according to an anonymous at least, at least a third-party service provider based in the eu if they're using it's something based question. outside of the EU, maybe yeah. that's a way around this. But I, still, yeah, I mean, I suspect EU will claim jurisdiction um, mm-hmm. if you accept, you know, clients that are in the EU. But I don't know. 
according to an anonymous EU diplomat who reportedly revealed the plans to Coindesk. If enacted, the policy would effectively blacklist a host of popular cryptocurrencies, including Monero, Zcash, and Dash. We got a story from uh, let's see, CryptoBriefing.com, EU moving to ban privacy coins report. So um, this is... Uh, this is uh, interesting because it's, it's based on a leaked document, apparently. So the European Union is said to be mulling a ban on privacy coins, including Monero, Zcash, and Dash. Dash is the weird <laughs> one in there. Um, I don't usually think of Dash as a privacy coin, but I guess there's some mixing going on in there, I think. so. There is a, an option with Dash to use a mixing service when okay. you send it. I don't think that's a particular, like you say, that is not really known for any serious level of privacy, but it is, yeah. sort of, it's sort of one of the first cracks at a privacy coin right. from way back when, like this was pre-Monero times, right? Yeah. Uh, this was, you know, for 2013 or whenever it was, Dash was a privacy coin. Nowadays, not so much. Yeah, this kind of, this kind of makes, you know what Dash always reminded me of? The way it was, was always described as a mixing type of thing. And I always think, okay, money laundering, right? When I think Monero, I don't think money laundering. I just think it's... It's good privacy. Yeah, right, in. right, right. Yeah. Built in from the scratch, from yeah. the beginning, as opposed to something, you know, that, okay, well, we're trying to hide, you know, stuff, but it's not really... You can still trace it and eventually get to its... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so EU legislators are working on an anti-money laundering policy proposal for prohibiting banks and crypto providers from interacting with privacy coins oh, all right so maybe they're not going to ban them outright no, but it's going to make I mean, it very difficult for people to spend them with mm, merchants because merchants are going to be relying on some so, well they can presumably oh. well i'm assuming they can uh but the, they would have the to provider. run their own infrastructure yeah as okay. opposed to being able to use a third-party service provider right oh man according to an anonymous at least, at least a third-party service provider based in the eu if they're using that's something based question. outside of the EU, maybe yeah. that's a way around this. But I, still, yeah, I mean, I suspect EU will claim jurisdiction mm-hmm. um, if you accept, you know, clients that are in the EU. But I don't know. You may remember this, nobody, because I know that at one time you had a Bittrex account. But Bittrex announced that they were going to ban all privacy coins from their platform, and there never even was any kind of legislation in the United States. No, it was it was it's all just, it was it was all it was all government uh, bureaucrat manipulation. We of, think it was pressure. Threats. I think it was yeah. pressure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They came to them and they said, "Look, you better do this, or and this, else." And this this seems to be a trend in the United States of how. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think what what uh, specific uh, the banking department of the United States, something like that, um, is basically, you know, I don't know, like uh, oppressing, I guess. I don't, I don't know if that's the best choice of words, but oppressing uh, institutions that want to do stuff with cryptocurrency or they are just dealing with certain clientele yeah you Um, can't get i remember uh binance.us with the last time i was on that platform they didn't have uh monero there and i think the only domestic if i recall correctly i've been through a lot of exchanges over the years the only (laughs) domestic one i remember that actually had monero was kraken really that was the only one i don't know nobody have you seen it popping up anywhere else i have not yeah 
It's yeah. a hard one to get a hold of uh, from from domestic exchanges. You have to buy Bitcoin and then move the Bitcoin to some other place to buy the Monero on an international uh, exchange. Yeah, I, I mean, this reminds me very much of how the uh, the government, the U.S. government, sent out a letter to all banks saying you can't deal with anybody who's worked in the sex industry. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect another perfect example. There's no law that prohibits it because but, it's it's. The, I'm, ta- I'm talking yeah. about the legal sex industry, right? Right. But banks. All the financial institutions cut off anybody, even if they're not currently working in the sex industry. If they worked in the sex industry 20 years ago, they had their bank accounts cut off. Crazy. Yeah. And you, you you think there'd have to be some sort of law passed, but nope. They're just doing no, they're it just through, pressuring people. Yeah, they're just pressuring banks through threatening to suspend licenses and things of that nature, even though there's no basis for them actually cutting off you know, the licenses. Nobody, I mean, what do you think about these uh, privacy coins? Do you have any favorites out there? Um, I like uh, I like Monero. Um, I I still I still have one issue with with privacy coins, which is the uh, and it's kind of necessary to what they are. The uh, the concept of a blockchain that you can't look at. Mm. Um, you know, it's 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 hard for me to wrap my head around how I know for sure that. For example, they're not. Uh, there aren't five five times as much Monero in existence mm. as they claim there to be. Um, That's a good point. Well, I mean, wouldn't that wouldn't that still be knowable based on the source code and the algorithms? Um, well, I don't know because you know there's no way of knowing that the. Uh, that the I mean, source code that the miners are running actually matches the source code announced, uh, released on the net. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure. Pretty sure I, that's going to be built into the algorithm, and that wouldn't, in theory, be possible as long as the majority of the don't the miners all have to be on the same software in order for it to to work not properly? necessarily, but no. they would still have to comply with the same algorithms. Generally speaking, I would think uh, because. You're saying there couldn't be two it would different. Certainly have to be compatible yeah. uh, software. Um, you couldn't have what you're saying is you couldn't have mining software A versus mining software B, where mining it, software A is mining ten times yeah, as many it, Monero you, into existence. The, the problem is if you did, um, if you made a fork, right, and it's mm-hmm. the, the algorithm, and you change the algorithm, right, to mine ten times as much, it wouldn't be compatible with, right, the, with the rest saying. of the you network. Have it would be rejected by the rest of the network. So yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's. Yeah. I don't think that's an issue. I, I but... don't know that much about exactly how Monero works, mm-hmm. so so I'm not saying that I know there to be a problem. I'm saying I don't understand entirely how it works, and that makes me yeah. Mad. It is one of the valid criticisms I think of uh, privacy coin like that because you never really know how many there are at any given moment. Like you can you can read what they say, and that is oh well, there's only this many Monero per uh, per ten minutes or per block or whatever it is, and you can you know if you know how to do the programming, presumably verify that. But even then, it would still be you know you're still kind of taking a shot in the dark at how many of them have been mined so far, right? Nobody, the uh, programmer behind Cell 411. We mentioned it earlier. Since we've been talking software tonight, nobody, do you uh, do you mind giving our listeners a, a sit rep or a status report on Cell 411? How's it going out there? Um. Well, it's it's going relatively well. I uh, right now the uh, the next step is uh, getting it into test. 
and I've been kind of stuck there for a little while. I've had other things going on, mm-hmm. but uh, but that should be happening uh, pretty shortly. And uh, two weeks to release, <laughs> huh? And two weeks to release, right? <laughs> It, it, that's always um, the answer to any any uh, developer uh, no, question. You say it's it's when it's done, <laughs> not you know, yeah, date, right? yeah. I usually say RSN real soon. Now. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, how do people test this thing? Is there should they get into the chat room, uh, the uh, the Matrix chat, for instance? Is that the best? Uh, yeah, you can get into the Matrix chat, mm-hmm. which is also gated to Telegram. Yep, uh, or bridged to Telegram. Um, and uh, there will be. We've got a, links up, uh, by the way, for those chat rooms. If you go to getcell411.com and you click on the menu, you'll find support matrix and support telegram. So if you're into uh, software, you want to get uh, your hands on the early versions of uh, the new cell 411, which for listeners uh, that don't know what we're talking about, can you uh, give the elevator pitch? What, 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 is, what was okay. cell 411? Uh, what is cell 411? Uh, cell 411 uh, was and is a means of uh, crowdsourcing emergency response. Uh, so if you have an emergency, uh, you'll be in a, in a number of groups called, uh, called cells uh, with presumably people who are local to you most of the time. If you get pulled over or somebody tries to rob you or your house is on fire, you hit the uh, panic button on your phone and notifications go out to people who are in cells with you and along with your GPS position and, and what, what your issue is. And that gives them the opportunity to either preferably come and help uh, or if there's nobody close to you, at least call you on the phone, see what's going on. Mm-hmm. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live.